What financial threats do you need to be aware of in these troubling times? Financial expert Chuck Bentley joins us today to answer on this episode of A View from the Wall. Join I Am A Watchman Ministries Managing Editor Joe Kerr with co-host Dylan Burroughs, bringing you a fascinating discussion regarding the importance of Bible prophecy and Christian living today as it relates to our responsibility as believers to be watchmen. This is A View From The Wall. Welcome to A View From The Wall. I'm Dylan Burroughs here today with co-host Joseph Kerr, and we have an important program with you today. As our headlines note, rising inflation and global trends that are set to upset our economy, many of us are looking for biblical answers to help. What are the issues we must know, and what does the Bible say about them? To answer, we are joined by Christian financial expert Chuck Bentley. Chuck Bentley is the CEO of Crown Financial Ministries, a global financial ministry founded by the late Larry Burkett. He is the host of two daily radio broadcasts featured on more than 1,100 Christian music and talk stations across the U.S. He's also the author of several books, including his most recent title, Seven Gray Swans, that we'll talk about today. Chuck, welcome to A View from the Wall. Well, thank you, Dylan. It's a pleasure, uh, and I'm honored to be your guest today. Well, we love having you with us, and you have some very important information to share with our listeners, so let's dive right in. We'll begin with the title itself, Seven Gray Swans. That seems kind of odd for a financial book to many people. Tell us what this means and what prompted you to write this book. Well, the book, Black Swan, was a New York Times bestseller written by an economist, Dr. Nathan Taleb. And uh, Dr. Taleb uh, said that a black swan event is something that is unpredictable. You can't prepare for it. It's not in our strategic planning, uh, but it's devastating. And we need to be aware of black swan events. Well, other economists came along and developed a derivative or a subset of that called a gray swan. And contrary to the black swan, a gray swan is an event you can identify. You do know that there is a risk of it happening. In fact, most of them are right out in the open. But because we assume there's a low probability of them happening, we tend to ignore them. So gray swans to me are very, very dangerous in the sense that we just don't pay attention to them and we think they could never happen here. One of the gray swan events you talk about specifically, and you list the seven, one of them that's interesting to me because I know a lot of people invested in it is digital currency. Now, you differentiate digital currency from cryptocurrency. What's the difference? What are you talking about there? Well, Joe, there's an overlap between the two. Digital currency in general is basically an electronic form of currency or an asset that's traded over the Internet. So, in fact, we we could call the U.S. dollar a digital currency because we put digits in our uh, bank accounts and we transfer those around electronically. Uh, in a sense, a cryptocurrency is also a digital currency, but it's different in that it's built on the blockchain technology. And blockchain technology is somewhat of a threat to traditional digital currencies. 
Well, this is important because not only is digital currency such a vital part of our system today of how we buy and spend, it's also part of this larger idea of critical theory that you talk about in your book. You talk about it even in lower age groups such as uh, first grade on up. Uh, Gen Xers and Gen Zers now believe American capitalism in many cases is evil or racist. And uh, we got to give people a little bit of clarity about what the Bible says about some of these economic systems. Talk a little bit about the systems that are out there, what people are saying, and what Scripture says about the approach. Well, thank you, Dylan. I wrote about one of the uh, Grace One events that I think is on the horizon is the rise of American democratic socialism. Now, that is an economic philosophy. It is not a political philosophy. It's a philosophy that that basically believes that uh, our economy should be governed centrally. It should be centralized and controlled and distributed by a political party. And the idea is that uh, we should not have private ownership of our own resources, uh, whether it's land or even our own companies, and that we should strive for equality. And this is a feel-good philosophy. People are attracted to it. All of the surveys and trends in America show that young people are uh, attracted to this philosophy today, as you said, Dylan, and also some very high-profile Christians. Uh, that are now endorsing this idea of, of democratic socialism. Uh, it is contrary to the scripture. I would say up front that uh, the Bible does not support a socialistic economic philosophy. The Bible is very clear that private land ownership is important. Uh, I believe that's why the, the commandment, thou shalt not steal, uh, is there, because we have private property, property that we're in charge of stewarding ourselves, and it should not be stolen or taken from us. It also says you should not covet what your neighbor has. And I believe socialism is a way of legalizing coveting. It's a way of saying, I don't like that other people have more than I do, and somebody should take it away from them and redistribute it. Uh, the scripture is very clear that money is not evil. Uh, if, you, if you think money is evil, then wealthy people must be greedy. Wealthy people must be the bad people. And we associate the, their success with a sense of disdain. We, we, we are now looking down upon people who have financial success, contrary to what the Scripture tells us to do. In fact, the Bible says that we're to honor those uh, who have uh, had success. We live in uh, the Bible promotes a meritocracy that we're not to be jealous, we're not to be greedy or covet what other people have achieved. In fact, we should be able to celebrate with them what they have. Now, what goes along with that, Dylan, is that capitalism is viewed negatively today because of the wealth inequality. And the Bible addresses wealth inequality throughout the scripture. But it never proposes that the way to solve wealth inequality is through wealth redistribution. And so my pushback with the idea that capitalism is evil and racist is that uh, it can't be biblically supported. The Bible supports that we work and God provides. And that if a man is unwilling to work, then they should not receive charity. Uh, there, there are very limited and well-defined parameters for who qualifies for charity. 
and it's typically those who are unable to work and to take care of their own needs. Well, that's well said. And so many people today, they see that as old-fashioned and out-of-date advice, this idea of taking care of yourself and personal responsibility. We even see today this call for more unemployment, even after the COVID restrictions have ended. We see people calling out for more government checks to people, even after the pandemic is ending. And so there's this call by many people to say, government, take care of me more and more. And it sounds much, much like what you saw with Egypt. There was a period where the Jewish people and the Egyptian people lived in a time of prosperity, but then later on became dependent on the government to be able to take care of them. And it led to some very severe situations for the Israeli people or the Jewish people later on where they had to eventually be freed from slavery. There's so much more we want to talk about. When we come back, we're going to get into this book more with Chuck Bentley. So stay with us here. We'll be right back on A View from the Wall. From I Am A Watchman Ministries, here's today's I Am A Watchman Minute. Did you know the message in the book, The Song of Solomon, is actually a story that foreshadows the rapture? In chapter 2, the groom, who represents Christ, offers his love to a woman. In chapter 3, the groom must leave, but promises to return and tells his bride to stand ready. In chapter 5, the groom returns as promised, this is the rapture, but his beloved is not ready. The groom knocks on her door. She's slow to respond, and when she does get up, the groom is gone. In the story, the Lord's beloved is not ready for his return and is left behind. It happened in the story. It will happen again at the rapture. Visit imawatchman.com for resources that inform, equip, and help individuals be ready for the return of the Lord. Be bold. Be faithful. Be a watchman. imawatchman.com Welcome back to A View from the Wall. As we continue our conversation today with Chuck Bentley and his book, The Seven Gray Swans, we want to talk more about the concept of prudence that is discussed in his book. It sounds a little old-fashioned, but it is a biblical concept that we want to consider today. So, Chuck, tell us a little bit more about this concept. Well, Proverbs 27.2 says, A prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. So the Bible upholds the idea that we should think and act prudently. And in its simplest definition, that means choosing the best path to a worthy goal. And, and think about the opposite of prudence. If, you, if you're not prudent, you basically stop using reason to make good decisions. Most people who aren't prudent act impulsively. They don't think through their actions or the consequences of those actions. They make quick decisions, and they become very foolish. They're driven by anxiety and fear, and they get in a big rush. Also, if you aren't prudent, then you, on the other end of the spectrum, you get paralyzed by indecisiveness. You, you become at the mercy of your circumstances because you simply are unaware of what you should do. It's like getting lost in the forest. A lot of times people just stand still. They don't know which way to go, so they make no decision whatsoever. But if you're prudent, you, you recognize there's danger, you put a plan in place, and you seek a clear path to a worthy goal. Chuck, many of the concepts, many of the seven gray swans sound like they 
came right out of the World Economic Forum's Great Reset. We've had several guests on recently to talk about that, but that's been around since the 70s. Give us a timeline for the seven gray swan events that you describe in the book. I think that's a great question, Joe. Obviously, these trends towards globalization, the trends towards centralization, where there's a, a, a unified plan among the G20 to help solve world problems. And certainly in the pandemic, we're seeing this idea grow even stronger, where the nations have to assist one another towards a desired outcome. And so that has been in place quite some time. In fact, uh, Joe, it's out in the open now. You're, you're, this idea of a great reset is the great reset of the global economy. It's thinking about wealth redistribution, redistribution of power and authority, uh, and trying to come up with some uh, equitable system. Uh, I think it's a very bad idea. I think it's contrary to scripture. And as I look at it, it's very difficult to put a timeline on these events. What I am told, Joe, is that since I wrote the book, most people who read it say, my goodness, these things are happening right now. I thought they were some future event as I was writing about them, but they're upon us. These things are underway right now. You see more and more people talking about universal basic income, modern monetary theory, social scoring socialism, fragile networks. Every day we read about how fragile our networks are and how they're being compromised, and yet our entire economy runs on these networks today. So I think they're up on us. I think there's a sense of urgency in my heart to help people understand what they are and what they need to do to be prepared. You're speaking our language now because we have a lot of people who tune into this program just to find out more about the end times and Bible prophecy. And when we look at what's out there today, we see increasing global overreach, government control. We see a push toward even global finance. Uh, how close are we on some of these things that the Bible talks about? Specifically talk, if you would, about this idea of a one world currency and also what we see in the book of Revelation about this time in the future where there will be a mark required to do business of any kind. Are we seeing trends pointing toward those things today? And if so, how? Well, I think there's an obvious trend towards a cashless society. That's one of the chapters in my book. It's a very interesting study, Dylan, because I feel right now that, especially because of COVID, we've diminished the use of cash. And you're seeing yes. some businesses declare that it's, it's dirty, it might be infected. And they don't even want to take cash. They've gone electronic only, which is a, a digital transaction. And so you see a movement towards it. In the Scandinavian countries, they are so far uh, down that road of being cashless that they're now seeing that it's got inherent problems. And those governments are asking people to begin using cash again <laughs> because uh, <laughs> there's even no money to give to a, a homeless person in the Scandinavian countries. And some cities are saying that it's actually racist to no longer accept cash. And so there's some pushback to that. And that, that gives me hope because I think the sooner that we are cashless, meaning there's no physical currency in circulation, the more vulnerable we are for world control of the economy. Yes, well, along the same lines, it's also a privacy issue where people can find out everything that you've purchased when you've purchased it, which can be a concern for people as well. Talk a little bit about how that might be a concern for Christians. 
You know, Dylan and Joe both, I, I'm, I value privacy. And that's one of the reasons people think that blockchain is so important, the blockchain technology, that you cannot trace the transactions that happen on it. Well, just recently, the FBI did trace uh, the location of the servers that held the blockchain transactions in uh, one of the uh, ransomware uh, occurrences. I think it was related to uh, one of the pipeline companies, energy companies, and they paid a, a large ransom in blockchain with uh, Bitcoin, and that was traced. But privacy is an important issue to the believer. Uh, we want to give charitably. We want to be able to travel freely. We want to be able to have um, uh, protection in what we choose to do. It's almost like freedom of speech. Uh, we want the freedom to have privacy. And I think that we all need to be on heightened alert that, that is, uh, we're losing that. And it ultimately will mean the end of our economic freedom if we lose all of our privacy. That's well said. And we've been talking with Chuck Bentley today, and we'll be right back with more in just a moment. Stick with us here on A View from the Wall. Are you prepared for another economic crisis? Hey, I'm Chuck Bentley with My Money Life from Crown. America has worked through many economic challenges in my lifetime. Now, doomsayers say a currency collapse is coming. But hold on. Think about this. No other nation has the vast diversification of economic output, nor presents a viable alternative to the stability of the U.S. dollar. Now, our debt and money printing could usher in hyperinflation. Combine that with the pandemic, and it spells trouble. So, diversify your investments and income sources. In Ecclesiastes 11, Solomon advised us to diversify into seven or eight different assets. He also recommended having multiple sources of income. Does your career provide an essential service? Have you worked during COVID? If not, consider a change or get certified in an area providing greater job security. This is important to remember when preparing your children for the future. Also, get out of debt. The Bible warns us to avoid debt, comparing it to slavery. Weathering a crisis without debt grants flexibility and far less stress. Invest in hard assets or commodities. Experts say to diversify into real estate, equipment, commodities, precious metals, and digital currencies. However, when fear of volatility rises, the prices of these will too. Finally, do not fear. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. The body of Christ needs to be informed and prepared for any event. In my book, Seven Gray Swans, Trends That Threaten Our Financial Future, I discuss economic trends and challenges that we'll face, such as universal basic income, modern monetary theory, a cashless society, and more. It's available now at Amazon.com. Welcome back to A View from the Wall. In our conversation with Chuck Bentley in this segment, we want to talk about some of the applications discussing what we should do in response to these last day challenges. Chuck, black swan events are events that 
cannot be foreseen, whereas Grace One events are possible, and, and, and you suggest we even should see them coming. Bible prophecy, on the other hand, is 100% assured. God's never been wrong, and we can trust that if he was right in the past, he'll be right in the future with predictions and Bible prophecy that we read about the last days. Give us an idea how the seven Grace One events fit into the bigger picture of a last day's Bible prophecy. Well, I think the Lord gives us benchmarks around money when it comes to the end times. There's some that I look at that I'm that are a little bit unorthodox. They're different, but I don't mind sharing them here. Uh, in James, it says that in the end days, you have hoarded gold, and that gold has corroded and it has rotted. So at some point in the future, those who place their faith and confidence in hoarding gold, uh, they will see its natural properties be undone by God himself where it will no longer be non-corrosive. It will actually rust and corrode and lose its value as an asset. The Lord said he will do that to the gold for those who put their faith and confidence in it because it's one of the most popular ways to hedge against an economic meltdown. Uh, secondly, in, in 2 Timothy 3, the Bible says that in the last days there will be terrible times. And he lists among those horrible attitudes and behaviors as the love of money. People will become lovers of money. So that's an attitude that I think we need to watch for, meaning that it becomes more important than God. And you see a lot of that today with the uh, attitude that we have towards hoarding resources and being speculative and gambling and scrambling to uh, try to, to build wealth against uh, you know the, the trends that we see happening right now. And then finally, in uh, Revelation, before we get to the, the part about the, the economy being centrally controlled by the Antichrist, uh, the Lord chides the church in Laodicea, and he says, you say that I am rich, and I have no need. And so there again is the love of money, even in the church, where money is going to be the protector in the end times as opposed to God Almighty. And so it's a lead indicator of our attitudes. And the fact that we need to be willing to lose all that we have, all of our finances, all of our resources, in order to stay faithful to God when times are difficult. Well, that's a good way to put it. And for a lot of people listening today, they're not you know, the big investors with a ton to put into the stock market or cryptocurrencies, but they want to use what they have to be a blessing to others and make the greatest impact with it. What are some steps of application you can give to those listening today when it comes to just our everyday spending and the ways that we use our income that God has given us? Well, that's, that's a very practical question and one that is dear to my heart. Number one, we need to all be more generous. When you look at the final parable in Matthew 25, the Lord's going to divide us between sheep and goats. Uh, the goats are stubborn. They butt people with their head. Uh, they're difficult. They're, they're, they don't respond to their shepherd. But a sheep uh, is submissive to the shepherd. A sheep is generous. It's sheared every year and gives away all of its fleece. And then ultimately it's sacrificed. And so the Lord wants us to be like the sheep, to be generous, to be uh, sacrificial, to be obedient, uh, and to lay down our lives for the gospel. And I think that as the darkness encroaches, as the days become more difficult, uh, we want to be more generous. Generosity is a way to share God's blessing. And we're also laying up for ourselves treasures in heaven where they will last. Whatever we accumulate on earth and hoard here will not last. And so that's a very foolish financial strategy and one the Lord told us to avoid. 
Chuck, we have many listeners who are watchmen and women in the biblical sense. They watch, warn, witness, and seek to finish well in the last days that we've been discussing. Give us a word of challenge and encouragement for our watchmen. How can they make application of the seven gray swans and what we've been talking about today? Well, my father always taught me, Joe, to follow the money. Have you ever heard that saying? Oh, yes. Uh, just follow the money. When you don't understand the deal, when you don't understand what's happening, whether it's legislation, whether it's tensions between nations, uh, whether it's uh, difficulties in a business or even a ministry or church, just follow the money. And oftentimes what you find is a whole different story than what's presented to the public. And I do believe as watchmen, as people who are sensitive to the birth pangs that we're seeing right now, we need to put economics on our radar. Uh, it's not just about who's got money and who doesn't have money, but what is that money doing? The Bible tells us that the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And so the Lord is saying, Paul told us to follow the money. Watch what's happening to the money. Watch where it's going. Watch who's hoarding it. Watch who's fighting for it. And, and we're to be outside of that. We, we're not to be controlled by the world's monetary system. We're to be free of that. We're to be like the people in Hebrews 10 when it says they joyfully accepted the confiscation of their property, knowing that they had better and lasting possessions. Uh, we can joyfully lose what we think we had here on earth because we know that God will take care of us for eternity. Well, that's so well said. And we've really appreciated your time with us here today. I'm sure many of our listeners will want to get a copy of your book and find out where your website is and get some of your other resources. Tell people how they can find out more information. Well, my book's available for immediate download at Amazon.com, or they can go to our website at crown.org. We have lots of free resources online, budget guides, uh, debt calculators, mortgage payoffs, refinance calculators. Uh, we have great programs for people to understand what God says about money, so they can be prepared to keep track of these economic trends. I've been so honored to be your guest today. i I appreciate your ministry, uh, Dylan, and thank you, Joe, for joining today. I just pray that uh, this has been helpful to the watchmen who are uh, paying close attention, the watchmen on the wall. Thank you for what you're doing. Amen. And again, that's crown.org, and you can also find out more about his book, Seven Gray Swans, there, or you can find out more about it at our website. We want to encourage you to check out more from A View from the Wall at IamAWatchman.com, and there you can sign up for the latest e-newsletter, download a free e-book, and enjoy all of our resources to help you in your spiritual journey. We also appreciate your prayers and support to help us as we serve you and others. Join us next time here on A View from the Wall. A View from the Wall, in association with I Am a Watchman Ministries, exists to equip a worldwide audience with biblical truth, sharing it with others, and being prepared for Christ's imminent return. The team seeks to encourage, inspire, and equip watchmen for such a time as this. For information about the ministry and upcoming events, visit IamAWatchman.com. A View from the Wall is made possible by the team of dedicated pastors, editors, and the many contributors of I Am A Watchman Ministries. To support our efforts, give online at IamAWatchman.com and click on the Donate button. Thanks for listening, and join us again next time on A View from the Wall.